Hey everybody, we're back for another episode of Small Business Chronicles, the show that is your Swiss army knife to business. Whether you're tuning in for learning how to navigate certain aspects of your entrepreneurship and small business, or hearing inspiring stories of other people that have went through the same thing as you have. We have a pretty good left turn. Uh, that's not his technical name, but uh, we have a pretty good left turn today by 39 Celsius Web Marketing Consulting. We got Deb, Deb, <laughs> we got Tony Danilchuk. Man, I am just messing this all up, right? Uh, normally I would edit this out, but everybody knows how bad I am. So let's start over again. We are 39 Celsius Web Marketing Consulting. It's Toby Danichuk, Danchuk, Danilchuk. 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 There you go. Danilchuk. There, there it is. You have like, like there's letters in your name we're not supposed to pronounce. So, you know, yeah, it, it, don't worry. It, don't worry. Everybody gets it, it, a little uh, different. Uh, so you might, if you follow our other show, Marketing Masters, Toby was on there talking about his marketing business. So after we got that story, we we're like, man, you need to come on here and tell us how you got to be the marketing expert you are today. And it all kind of goes down to that name, 39 Celsius. So uh, I'm going to let you take it over and, and tell us where 39 Celsius comes from. And, and, and we'll just start there. Yeah. Well, thanks for having me on the show, Ryan. I appreciate it. Um, so the name's a little bit esoteric, but my undergrad degree was in uh, biochemistry at UC San Diego. And after college, I went to work for a biotech company. And one of my jobs there was to produce uh, viral proteins that researchers would use for research and development. They were actual tools that people would use. And we used bacteria to produce those viral proteins. Um, and we would grow this up in vats the size of what you would see for making beer and let that grow and multiply until we got a sufficient quantity. And then we would shock those bacteria at 39 degrees, which is when the bacteria would start producing the viral proteins. And then we would harvest that. So it's a little esoteric, but um, that's where the name the name comes from is that original job. So, so I, I mentioned this in the pre-interview, that sounds a little bit like Outbreak. It does sound a little <laughs> bit like the movie Outbreak. And yeah. so, so tell us exactly what these viral proteins were used for uh, and, yeah, and what they, the purpose of why this was happening. Yeah. So uh, they're called vectors, if you will. So uh, a particular... A uh, molecular biologist or a biochemist wants to study the behavior of a gene and and what that looks like in in a cell or certain type of cells. They can use these viruses because that's how viruses operate on humans, anyways, right? They infect our cells, and so this is a a virus called lambda phage, which is very commonly used throughout uh, biochemistry labs to get that gene that they're studying injected into cells that they want to study the, the behavior of that gene. So, um, and it can be used to infect, um, you know, or it can be inserted into mice or, or just other cells. So it's, uh, it's just a tool to use to um, study the behavior of a particular uh, segment of DNA. Uh, it, that sounds like way out of my league. Like, like, <laughs> So, the virus itself is 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 completely benign, um, and we actually, when we manufacture the viral proteins, 
we actually manufactured the head of the virus and the tail separately. And when you bring those two together, uh, it automatically assembles into a virus on its own. And that's where you get your little segment of DNA you want to study into that virus. And then you take that and infect some cells with it and voila. Yeah, that, that, it, 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 I know you said just, it, it was just, yeah, it, it's, it's, to me, yeah, it still sounds like outbreak, but I, I'm going to trust you. You have that face. I'm going to trust that. Yeah. That's why that I'm a marketer, was a, remember? Yes, <laughs> yes, yes. Trusting face. Trust, trusting face. So why wasn't it the gig for you? Because you said you go to college, you get a degree, yeah. apparently dump a lot of money into it, um, yeah. dump a lot of time into it, base your career. What made you, what, what was the first part of you were going to leave that, that, that it just, what, that wasn't the thing for you? Yeah. Well, I'd always wanted since I was a kid to have my own business. Um, and when I got in the lab, the lab is not for me. That takes a certain personality. It's can be kind of boring, slow, uh, repetitive, and that just wasn't my personality. So I actually moved out of the lab after two or three years at that biotech company. I went to in-house sales uh, for a year, and then I went back and did an MBA because I still was following my passion, which was to be in business. Um, and so that's how I got into the business end of things. From after my MBA, I did a, a stint with a management consulting firm, and then I, my wife and I started our own retail business back in early 2000 from there. Uh, what was the retail business, if you don't mind me asking? Uh, we were importing furniture and home decor. So we had, uh, so I quit my job. She stayed at corporate um, and we were importing furniture, home decor. We had a small little tiny store in Poway, California, which is a suburb of um, San Diego. Really small, it was about 1500 square feet. Um, and it's an asset intensive business, right? All your money's tied up in inventory. Um, the, the funny thing about that business is that's when SEO and digital marketing kind of started to get traction. And, and back then even Yahoo and Bing were more prominent than Google, but we didn't have the cash to go out and pay for expensive branding and everything. It was all guerrilla marketing. And so, you know, between customers in the store and whatnot, I buried myself in HTML and how to do websites. And over the course of the next two years, I ended up doing really well from an SEO perspective, ranking for dozens and dozens of terms that fit our niche and across Yahoo, Bing, and Google. And all of a sudden, we went from being this small little, tiny little retail store in a suburb of San Diego to now getting requests for what we were selling from around the country. And I wasn't even in the mode of e-commerce. I was just trying to create awareness within our community. And we started getting these requests. Hey, I saw this table online. Can I order that? And you ship it to me. And so we went from, again, that tiny little retail store to now having national distribution. Um, and I started shipping products. It evolved from there. I built, then we built a e-commerce site and I started shipping furniture and home decor items all over the United States after that. Um, 
And so that process really, I mean, I really had to understand SEO, how to sell online, manage customer expectations. We started leveraging Google ads when Google ads first came out. Um, the interesting thing about that story, which will lead into how I got into the agency, was that about 2007, so we had had the store for seven years now, we had expanded. We, I think we were in four or 5,000 square feet now, um, but we were doing more and more online sales. Is Our main furniture supplier, um, who accounted for probably 60 or 70% of our revenue, started getting complaints from retail stores throughout the country that we were stealing their business because we were doing so well uh, online. And he told us that if we didn't mark our prices up 3X, uh, which nobody is going to buy at 3X because the furniture was very expensive, uh, that if we didn't mark our prices up, then he would stop selling to us. And I told him, I said, well, you're basically going to put us out of business. And he was like, well, I don't care. Um, so we ended up with this huge channel conflict between the success that we created, the time and energy that we devoted to rank well. We were the one of the number one sellers of their furniture, even though we were tiny. And it's because we had the exposure in Google, Yahoo, and Bing at the time. Um, so it was a complete channel conflict. It was incredibly frustrating. About that time, the 2008 recession hit. Um, and it, we were in California still, of course, and sales just fell off. Uh, it was like somebody turned the water off. In California, in particular, you know, property prices where we were dropped 40, 50 percent. Um, people just quit buying. It was brutal. And so between those two things, we just said, you know what? Um, we'll try to do it online only. And it just it wasn't working with the recession. And we said, well, let's take all that experience that we just cut our teeth on on the day to day tactics of running a small, medium sized business and parlay that uh, into a consulting business. And thus, we started 39 Celsius in 2008. Fair. I want to back up because I got a couple questions here. One, when you're moving from the lab to your furniture company, which was really successful and made it to, what type of discussions and what type of fears did you have? Because as you pivot careers and businesses, mm. there, there's got to be some hesitation in there or there's got to be am I making the right move? What, what, what was your kind of your mindset? Because one of the things that I got from your story when you're on Cash's show is those pivots are hard. Those pivots yeah. are, are, there's a theory out there that if your situation was worse, it would be better because you're kind of in a mediocre position. It's not enough to make you change. It's kind of whatever, but you get a really bad boss or something bad happens and it motivates you to change. So yeah. you didn't like the lab. You didn't like the, the, the whatever. So af after you got that motivation, what were some of those discussions in switching total careers? Yeah. Um, well, I mean, the desire to be in business was stronger than sticking with my degree for sure. It had always been there, but it's a bit of a deer in the headlights thing to completely switch gears like that. I mean, I did go back to business school, so I had, a really solid understanding of 
kind of the mechanics of business and the importance of accounting and finance and whatnot. Um, but, um, you know, making that switch is a little bit of deer in the headlights um, mode because you sign a lease and you're backing it. We had just bought a condo back then. It was our first home. We were just newly married. Um, and we had taken whatever money we had and invested it in this business. So it's pretty freaking scary to walk away from the comfort of a paycheck to just be hanging out there. And like, I only eat what I kill now. So, um, <laughs> I gotta, I gotta, I gotta start hunting. Um, so yeah, it's, um, but you know, it's the ultimate faith and belief in yourself and, you know, that saying about. You know, if you're if you only got one foot in and one foot out, it it just is hard to. It's easy to back away from a business like that where you're not fully committed. I mean, we pretty much, at least for myself, burned the bridge behind me. We committed all our assets to this business. I left a job, um, the security of that. So, how long did it take you guys to feel comfortable in your decision? Uh, we never, uh, regretted it. Um, we never looked back on that with regret. It was never a, God, that was bad decision or, so we were comfortable with it from the get-go. Like we were on the same page together. I think that's really important for couples. You've got to be on the same page because it's way too much stress. If somebody's not on board, we were both on board. We never regretted uh, any of those decisions. Now I can say in 2008, I mean, we lost everything in that recession. It was ugly. So, um, but we came back stronger. Um, but in that 2008 recession, we pretty much lost the entire business sales had tanked. We had, we were carrying inventory. We had to liquidate it. We had to pay suppliers. We had banks coming after us. We got it all squared away, but um, it's almost like in that situation, when we started the agency is there was nowhere to go, but up. we had lost pretty much everything. So it was like almost in some way, kind of a relief. Like I didn't, we didn't have anything to lose at that point. And we actually had picked up and moved to Houston, which was probably one of the best things we did because Houston in 2008, compared to California, it was like uh, a different world. Like they were, what recession, what real estate downturn, what are you talking about? That's happening. Like nobody was aware of it. And California just seemed like it was burning. <laughs> well, well, it, literally and figuratively most of the time is what it seems yeah. like. <laughs> so I'm, I'm out from the Midwest. So, and a lot of our listeners are and stuff like that. How hard is it in California? Because one of the questions that you're in California running a business as not to get political, not to get, that's not where I'm trying to go with it, but California does have a definite different infrastructure for business and taxes and stuff than a lot of the other place in there. So after you move to Texas, you know, and, and you see it's not, but now you've located back in California. Is that correct? Yeah, we're both from California. I'm a native of California. It's a it's a lifestyle thing. We couldn't really see ourselves anywhere else. The Midwest just we I'd never been to the Midwest. As a matter of fact, the funny thing is, is 
my wife wanted to move there after this whole meltdown in 2008 because she had some family there. And I was like, all right, well, I was a little shocked because it's Texas and Texas and California are very different. But I'm like, you know what, I'll keep an open mind and we'll just go start anew and see how it goes. And, uh, you know, California is dry. There's no humidity and there's no bugs. And we moved there to Houston in July and I stepped out of the U-Haul at midnight on a Saturday night <laughs> to move in. And I was just like, oh, my God, what is this? What did I what did we just get into? <laughs> I was just shocked. <laughs> yeah, the, the Midwest, it's it's such a weird combination. And and I can understand how California like I like like yeah, Texas is south, like like Midwest is. And if you haven't traveled the country, let me kind of fill you in. Everything from Western Pennsylvania to Nebraska, end of Nebraska, it's all the same, guys. There's no difference. <laughs> it's literally no difference. Inflections are a little bit. You could take somebody sleeping in Missouri and pick them up and put them in Ohio, and they'll think they're 10 feet from their house. It's really not a lot of difference there. Uh, but once you move south, Texas, you're right. It's it's a different lifestyle. I was out in California for quite a while. It's definitely a culture shock. So in 2008, to get back on track, you, you, you lost your business. Everything kind of melts down and yeah. you go to Texas because the economy and the, 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 the general economy and business sense was better. And then yeah. you decide, let's go into marketing. Yeah, well, that's, you know, we shut down the, the retail store. We tried running it online um, and it just just wasn't flying. So, yeah, yeah, that's when we printed up business cards and just started hustling for business. We created a business and took all that experience, uh, literally just hitting the ground networking in Houston. In Houston, it's a great city for business. Um we got our start there. It was very good to us. Um, people are super friendly. It's a great town, great food, but they have a real can-do attitude in Houston. Uh, it was a great place to start. But yeah, we just started networking and getting involved in the community and meeting people. And, and you know, every new client was just growing the business little by little. So, Marketing is a weird area to to fall into and i think the really good marketers and i'm going to include myself in this never start out in marketing it's yeah. it's that's not their first thing like, like there's kids that go to college and there's there's i'm going to go do this i'm going to go do that every really solid marketer that i've met yeah. This was never their main thing. It was yeah. it was a byproduct of the thing they were doing. So, we're, explain yeah. to me what that decision was like. You you moved to you moved to Houston. You're doing so. You look back at your business and all the parts and pieces, and went, "This is the one. Maybe we can take and do more with." Yeah, absolutely. I'd always kind of as well, not only being in business, but I'd always kind of wanted to be in consulting. Um, but we had so much good experience back then, um, in 2008 with running this company and this business from just designing direct mail postcards that produced a real result. Like in that retail store, I would spend on ads a bit for like local home and garden magazines. Cause we were a niche trendy designer oriented store. And I just taught myself everything I could 
on how to make the phone ring, what types of headlines, calls to action, offers, pictures, how do I write the copy the best? Like you can go get an MBA and that they, you're not going to learn anything about the tactical implementation of a smaller, medium-sized business. So I basically had to educate ourselves on direct response copy. Um, and that's where we cut our teeth and all that. But it, all those skill sets were then translated into helping our clients, um, not only on the digital space, but on the traditional. We're purely digital now. I don't do anything oh, yeah. with um, traditional, but. So. I, I don't know that many people, I mean, it's traditional marketing is still out there. But one of the things yeah. is that you, you entered marketing in 2008. So you've seen a pretty big landscape shift from any time that you have any sort of that cultural or technological shift. You lived in the world where newspaper articles were still a thing. Radio advertising was still a thing. Direct mail was still a thing. But then you have these new pay-per-click ads, this new social yeah. media thing, this new whatever. It, it yeah. Was there ever – when you had all of those – were you an early adopter of digital or did it take you a little bit longer to get there? Yeah, no, we were, I was very early adopter on digital. We were all over that. And, and that's when it kind of started getting momentum back in 08 with people becoming more aware. Mm -hmm. And so we actually picked up some franchise clients um, back then. And that led to a whole, explosion and in, in working with quite a few different franchise retail store locations throughout Houston and then the nation as a result. Um, because there just weren't that many people doing digital marketing and their competitors weren't there. So um, it was it was good times back then in terms of being able to deliver results for the clients. Um, there wasn't a lot of competition and this franchise in particular was maybe the number two, number three player. And, um, you know, the 800 pound gorilla was a well-established brand and they relied completely on traditional marketing. And that gave us the opportunity to swoop in and, um, capitalize on SEO, capitalize on Google ads that, that big brand company was not leveraging hardly any digital at all. So we were getting way higher returns on investment in terms of the marketing dollars spent by pouring our money into uh, Google ads and um, SEO and whatnot. And, uh, you know, eventually that got, we got ended up managing more and more money because now we were tracking everything. They were still doing traditional, but we were tracking it with call tracking. They would do a direct mail postcard. Here's the cost per lead on that. It's $100 to $300 a hundred to three hundred dollars a lead, and then we run Google Ads, and I'm delivering leads. Phones ringing. People are booking for five, seven bucks. Where are you going to put your money? And you show that to these business owners, and they're like, "We're putting it all into digital." No, I, I, I agree. Uh, back 10 years ago when I started in marketing, it was kind of the same thing. 2013, everybody was switching over, but you still had those holdouts for traditional marketing. Yeah. One, of the, one, of the, one of the best things, and I think people, like, like I tell my kids, we were in an antique store and they seen a rotary phone and was like, what is this, right? Uh, it, <laughs> not to make me feel crazy, stupid, old or anything. Um, 
but but you still have those people to this day that hold on to traditional marketing that still hold yeah, yeah. on to 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 those relics but there's no way to track that there is zero way to track that it's kind of like yeah. let's say i go produce this podcast i put it out there and and then i just say hey i bet you we got a million listens cuz there's no way to tell <laughs> there's no way to prove you wrong or not wrong that's uh, that's I, right my, my point to this is that when you go get a marketer and, and that's what digital marketing made marketers more honest too, because you couldn't just completely. lie to people, you know, completely. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, what is that expression when traditional media, 50% of your ad spend is wasted, but which, which 50% is it? You have no idea. <laughs> right. <laughs> Right. I, you know, in marketing, I, every now and then I have someone call me and they want a billboard and I'm like, no, you know, no, yeah. no. Cause, no. cause when's the last time that you wrote a phone number down off of a billboard? <laughs> I know. We track that too. And they would say, let's yeah. do radio. Okay. Well, we'll, we'll track yeah. it. And they would see no bump throughout the entire region. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, Just, digital made marketers more honest and it made marketing more honest and accountable, really. Absolutely. I, I feel the same way. So Toby, what's your next career? Is this one it? Uh, I think this one's it. I'm still really passionate about it. Um, I love what I'm doing and uh, I, I love helping people. And yeah, I think I'm here for good. What, what do you think the next big evolution of digital marketing is? Because you've been there from the beginning. You're an early adopter, been there from the beginning, riding this wave. What's, what is the next big thing that maybe is small time right now, but what, what's coming in digital marketing? Well, yeah, um, a couple things. Obviously, everybody's talking about AI. It's going to be interesting. Haven't to heard of it. That even yeah, I know. It's this <laughs> new little thing. <laughs> yeah. Um, AI and just seeing how that's going to evolve. But the other thing that is really coming down the pipeline here for marketers overall is that we're going to be in a cookie list world here next year. Mm -hmm. um, you know, Apple's shutting down targeting. Uh, Google's going to be shutting it down. So you're not going to have the same robustness in terms of doing retargeting certain ways and, and targeting people on certain behaviors, that's all going to be hidden. So I think those two things, AI is just crazy seeing how this is evolving now. So I think those two things, um, I don't know how it's going to come out, but I think for sure next year in a cookie list world, people are going to have to own their customer data. They need to you need to focus on not just building your house on rented land like Google, like Facebook, Instagram, TikTok. You need to own your data. You need a customer list because that is the only thing you will own. Uh, that that is a very good point. Uh, the, the especially Apple. Uh, didn't Apple and Facebook get yeah. into it because all of a sudden yeah. Apple wouldn't let Facebook dig into what you do. The era of, I, I can't see the era of them tracking our our purchases and stuff like that completely going away. They'll find a way around it. But yeah. I agree with you. You've got a one-two punch with marketing between AI and all the tools and all the things it can do versus Absolutely. taking the cookies away from it. It's going to be a very interesting ride in the next couple of years, 100%. Yeah. 
Yeah, uh, it's an exciting time. I'm excited for it. So, all right. So, uh, Toby, tell us how to find you, and and I'm going to let you say the name of your company this time because it's going to be better <laughs> than I did. It's just yeah. So, awesome. yeah, our company is 39 Celsius Web Marketing Consulting. Um, you can find us online at 39celsius.com, which is the number three nine, and then c e l s i u s dot com. Um, you can reach me via email, Toby, T-O-B-Y, at 39celsius.com. And, um, yeah, I'm very accessible well, on email. It, it, and, and let me tell you, this is the second show I've been involved in with Toby. He's just a great guy. Love talking to you, man. Um, uh, thank you, thank you for coming on my show. Uh, and this is going to be Small Business Chronicles. If you want to find more about us, we're on smallbusinessdelivered.com. All of our shows and all of our podcast network is there. It's not just a show here or there. We're building an entire network. Uh, and uh, just for full disclosure, Small Business Delivered is owned by a marketing company. That's why we know all about the marketing and like to deep dive into it. It's by Titan Digital. And if you need any marketing needs, call Toby first. If he can't help you, then call us. How's that for a plug? <laughs> Thank you, sir. <laughs> hey, no problem. You guys, everybody have a great day and until next episode.